following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. This morning's reading is from 1 Samuel 17, verses 20 to 27 and 38 to 51. It can be found on page 288 of the Church Bible. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions. The war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 
Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mary. Let's pray. Father, when we are faced with trial and challenge, send your spirit upon us, we pray, that we may know that the battle is the Lord's. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Some of you uh, would have heard the story about the boy who was sitting on a park bench one morning with one hand resting on an open Bible. He was loudly exclaiming his praise to God, saying, Hallelujah, hallelujah, God is amazing. He shouted out without worrying whether anyone heard him or not. Along came a man who had recently completed his first year of theology at his local university. Feeling himself very enlightened in the ways of truth and eager to display his learning, he asked the boy about the source of his joy. Well, said the boy in return, Do you have any idea what our God is able to do? I just read that God opened up the waves of the Red Sea and led the whole nation of Israel right through the middle. The man laughed lightly, sat down next to the boy and began to try to open his eyes to the realities of miracles of the Bible. That can all be very easily explained, said the man. Modern scholarship has shown that the Red Sea in that area was only 10 inches deep at the time. It was no problem for the Israelites to wade across. The boy was stumped. His eyes wandered from the man back to the Bible, laying open in his lap. The man, content that he had enlightened a poor, naive young boy to the finer points of scholarly insight, turned to go. Scarcely had he taken two steps when the boy began to rejoice and praise louder than ever before. The man turned and asked the boy the reason for his resumed jubilation. Wow! exclaimed the boy. God is even greater than I thought. 
Not only did he lead the whole nation of Israel through the Red Sea, he topped it off by drowning the whole Egyptian army in 10 inches of water. Now, the thing that I love about that story is the young boy's enthusiasm for God. The boy opens his Bible, reads a story of God's deliverance, and marvels at it so much that he sits on a bench shouting out praise. And then when someone comes along and challenges that simple faith, his response is to turn back to his Bible, read some more of what God has done, and then rejoice even more. And the challenge that came to the boy, represented in that young theologian, is the challenge of experience, of study, and of age. Now, there is nothing wrong with any of those things. And don't take that story as a reason not to come to our theology for all session this afternoon. But rather, it would be true to say that our experiences of life, in whatever shape that they come, can sometimes challenge, overwhelm, or perhaps reach upon us so much that we forget. We forget, using David's words to Goliath, that the battle is the Lord's. David's encounter with Goliath is one of the most well-known episodes of the Old Testament, familiar to adults and children alike, to people of all faiths and none, with that whole story being synonymous with the victory of the underdog. That's what we hear about. That's what we think about when people talk about a David and Goliath situation, the boy David achieving victory against all the odds. But there is another emphasis that runs through chapter 17, through this passage. And that emphasis is upon the victory of God in the life of a nation and the life of an individual. And it's a victory that comes in three different ways. First, it comes in the face of disbelief. Secondly, it comes in the midst of fear and uncertainty. And finally, it comes by trusting in the resources of God. And each of those ways, those three ways, can be seen in our chapter in three different exchanges. And they're the three exchanges where God is mentioned. Where David talks to the Israeli soldiers, where David has his exchange with Saul, and where David has his exchange with Goliath. So let's look at each three of those exchanges and look at the victory of God. So first, victory in the face of disbelief. Uh, our chapter, chapter 17, is 58 verses long. Uh, and uh, I didn't ask for all of it to be read, because we'd still be here. Uh, but within those 58 verses uh, of chapter 17... The first mention of God doesn't come until verse 26. And at that point, David says to the the members of the Israeli army who are around, who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. David is affronted by Goliath's challenge to Israel. Our our reading tells us that a routine has been established between the two armies. We read in verses 21 to 23, the armies draw up two lines facing one another and a routine develops where Goliath steps out from the Philistines' lines and voices his defiance. And the armies of Israel respond to Goliath's challenge in fear and in immobility, acting as if God were irrelevant to the battle before them. But David takes a different view. In the face of the disbelief being expressed by Goliath, David's response is to stand up for God. For David, it is unthinkable to assess the battle before him or anything else without the living God. Whilst those around him quake in the face of disbelief, David's response is to bring God into the equation. Many of you uh, will be aware of the protests that have been happening in Hong Kong this year that have been taking place every weekend since June. Originally convened over legislation designed to extradite citizens of Hong Kong to mainland China. Groups of Christians regularly participate in those marches with their pleas for peaceful protest and their hymns and prayers being heard alongside the protest chants. Indeed, one hymn, Sing Hallelujah to the Lord, has caught on as an anthem for the whole protest, sung by believers and non-believers alike. Uh, A few weeks ago, at the end of August, tens of thousands of people gathered for the first large-scale political rally specifically for Christians in Hong Kong. Under the motto, Salt and Light, for justice justice we walk together, the rally organisers said the purpose was to provide all Christians a platform to express themselves, hoping people would safeguard Hong Kong by singing, praying, worshipping God and speaking up for justice and standing together with all from Hong Kong in difficult times. Just this week, Christian Solidarity Worldwide reported that the Chinese Christian human rights lawyer, Tang Jingling, has been released from prison after a five-year sentence, which was given for inciting subversion of state power. Meanwhile, also this week, the six-year-old son of another Christian uh, human rights lawyer, Wang Quanjiang. The boy, the six-year-old boy, was forced to leave his primary school after multiple visits from the police to his school to check upon him. These inspiring Christians refuse to leave God out of the equation, even in the face of injustice underpinned by official state disbelief. By bringing God into the equation, these Christians say 
our God will not be mocked. They claim the promises of God, even in the face of those who would say, where is your God? So first, victory in the face of disbelief. Secondly, victory in the face of fear and uncertainty. The second exchange where God is mentioned uh, is found in the exchange between David and Saul, where David is seeking to establish his credentials for taking on Goliath. So we read at verse 36, David saying, Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. The armies of Israel are afraid. We read at verse 11, on first hearing Goliath's challenge, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And later at verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw Goliath, they all fled from him in great fear. And we read that that situation, Goliath's challenge, Israel's response, continued for 40 days until David arrived. In the size of the challenge before them, the armies of Israel have forgotten about God. And that's understandable, isn't it? In the face of fear, terror and trial. Not some existential or theoretical challenge, but in person, right before them. Someone who seems something that seems unconquerable. In the face of that, the Israelites forget what God has done of his guiding hand or of his deliverance. They forget the Passover, the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, manna from heaven, water from rock, quail from the sky. All of this melts away in the taunts and challenges of Goliath. But David sees something else. David does not doubt the old stories of God's deliverance of Israel because he has first-hand experience of being delivered from bears and lions. For David, God indeed does deliver. And that makes any threat or challenge from the Philistines less ominous. In the midst of our own doubts fears and uncertainties which arise when life challenges us. There will be a temptation not to stay the course, to view situations through the limitations of our own circumstances or abilities, to be overwhelmed and to forget not only what God has done for us in the past, but also the promises of God of what is to come. But in giving the battle to the Lord, we give over our story to the full unfolding of God's purposes. Fear and uncertainty give way to a quiet confidence and certain hope. 
not in our own abilities or strength, but through a simple recognition of who God is. In declaring that God's purposes will be fulfilled, we remember that his plans for each of us continue to the end of our earthly lives, but do not end there. Speaking earlier uh, this week, the survivalist adventurer and erstwhile ambassador for the Alpha Course, Alpha Course Bear Grylls, uh, reflected in an interview on his own practices. He put it this way, I often don't feel very strong. Life can be a battle. We all feel that from time to time. But any strength I do have seems to come in the quiet moments at the start of my day when I am on my own, on my knees. It comes from taking time to be still with God. Or to repeat again those verses that Peter used at the start of this service from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So God's victory comes in the face of disbelief, in the midst of fear and uncertainty, and finally through claiming the resources of God. The final references to God in chapter 17 in our passage come in David's speech to Goliath. So we read at verses 45 to 47, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And carrying on, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. There are moments when faced with challenges so big, injustices so large, that we can feel tempted to think that there is simply nothing that we can do about it. Some of those will be personal. Perhaps things we have done, things that have been done to us. But others will be systematic or even global in nature. Two weeks ago, hundreds of people gathered to oppose and block the setting up of one of the world's largest arms fairs that took place at the Excel Conference Centre in London. The arms fair, which took place over four days, was attended by more than 35,000 people from over 60 countries, invited by the Ministry of Defence and attended by arms dealers. More than 400 people of faith attended the opening No Faith in War demonstration, some of whom were arrested for organising a sit-in, including three Anglican priests. 
The arms fair still took place. But those demonstrating and protesting joined a prophetic tradition, calling for God's justices and purposes to intervene. For that time of the reign of God, when in the words of the prophet Micah, he will judge between many nations and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, and nor will they train for war anymore. Demonstrations such as those, or the one that will take place this Friday, that we will support as a church, the general strike in the marketplace, they recognize that we are part of a bigger story, of God's story. And that whilst we join the battle, ultimately, the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. I want to finish with a comment on the end of chapter 17 uh, from the Old Testament theologian, Walter Brueggemann. Commenting on the final uh, battle at the end between David and Goliath, Walter Brueggemann writes, The battle that takes place between David and Goliath is over as soon as it begins. The action doesn't take very long. David stands alone with only his courage and energy. An observer who had not heard the exchanges and the talk about God and simply witnessed the action would conclude that all David has is courage, energy, a sling and five stones. But of course, the outcome suggests there were more resources available to David than an observer would notice. Only those who share the faith and who would have heard his declarations would know that David has a massive resource beyond his own power that operates for him. The battle is not his. It is that of a powerful, faithful and living God. So my sisters and brothers, this week, may God give you grace to stand up against disbelief, to stay the course against fear and uncertainty, and to claim the resources of God and give the battle to him confident that we are overcomers because we know where this story ends. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St Nick's Durham podcast. If you would like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.